Today, I'm excited to, to sort of take you into this subject that I've been thinking a lot about lately. And uh, if you're taking notes today, and I would really recommend that you do. I think it's so much easier to, to grab hold of and take something home with you and put it into action if you, if you write it down and capture it. You ever, you ever walk away from uh, a church service and you're just like, that was awesome. And someone's like, what was awesome? And you're like, the parts of it that I liked. <laughs> Because you don't, and you don't remember. And so, like, but the point is not just to hear something in the moment, but to take it home and put it into action to apply it. And not just to be inspired, but to act on what you're inspired on. And so, write something down today, um, and then maybe get a lower back tattoo of it. I don't know. I'm not telling you what to do, but just maybe it's just options is what you have. And the title of my message is Thanks, But No Thanks. Thanks, But No Thanks. Do you ever... You ever go out of your way to, to, to do something for somebody that you think they're going to love? And it, like in your head, you, 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 you think they're going to be grateful, but instead they gripe about it? Don't you love it? I hate it. I, like my kids, my kids will do this. I have three kids uh, with my wife Gretchen and, and, and no kids without her, uh, in case she's watching. I don't. And... When they gripe, it just, it, it drives, there's nothing that drives me more crazy, especially if I was really trying to do something, like, kind for them. And as soon as they do, I'm just like, let's get the orphanage on the phone. Let's get Miss Hannigan. You guys are going to live with her. I don't know. There's a lot of musical numbers, but it is a hard knock life, you guys. That's what you are in, in store for you. And I love them, but I just, ingratitude drives me crazy. Anybody else, you just can't stand ingratitude? It's frustrating. Um, and uh, just, just so that you get a picture of the people I'm talking about, I did bring a picture of my family um, that is, is frighteningly life-size um, and uh, a little bit bigger. In case I was like, did I really gain that much weight? Let's make me twice the size I am in reality. Just put it right there. Um, so this is me right here. And then uh, my beautiful wife, Gretchen. And then this is our daughter, Tegan, who is 13 and a half now. And a full-blown teenager, it is, it is frightening, you guys. And she looks, she looks a lot like her mom, acts like her mom, which is awesome and, and dangerous. Because sometimes I come home, and uh, this has happened a couple times where I come home, and, uh, you know, I see a woman that looks like my wife turned around the other way. And I come in, and I'm like, woo And I sneak up, and right before I do something I shouldn't do to my daughter, I realize it's my daughter. And I'm like, whoo, that was a close one, Right? You don't want to squeeze the buns of your daughter. That's not, that's not okay. Okay? All right? Then this is, this is Cohen right here, and he is, uh, he's, the, he's the one of our kids that doesn't, refuses to dress up for, for family pictures. Anybody have a kid like that in your family? He was just like, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm like, you're going to take that up with your mom. And, and so she's like, Mom, I shouldn't have to dress up. Why do we have to dress up? And she's like, because someday you're going to look back on this and you're going to want to see that this is a snapshot of our family and how much we loved each other and what it was like. And you're going to want to see that. And he's like, but this is what I'm like. If I dressed up and we took a picture, I'd be looking back on a lie. And then she looked at me like, you know, you're going to bail me out of this one? And I was like, you know, he's got an airtight case. That is, that is some really... That logic is just so, you know, he's like, yeah, I want to wear an L.A. hat and, and, and you know, sweatpants. And I'm not even sure he's wearing a, a, a shirt under that zip up. It's probably just bare chest under there, guys. And then this is, uh, this is Zeke, and he is 10. And this was uh, a big day for him. This was right after he got 
his mortgage license, and uh, now he is. Uh, there's no other excuse for that shirt. That he, we're like, you can wear whatever you want to, and I'm like, this is what you went with. Like, so we we got his bus bad bus ad pictures after this, and uh, so good. You would buy from him though. Like he's very convincing. And I, lo- I love my family, and so I, you know, I want to do things. Not, I, I do this thing where, like, I envision, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like, kind of surprise my family with something that, that's going to blow their mind, and I envision their reaction, right? And I don't know if you do this where you, you, you imagine that when you do this thing that they don't expect, that they're going to know the, the time and thought and effort you put into it, and they're just going to be so excited, and they're going to make over how amazing you are. And, you know, I'm going to come home with these pizzas, and we're going to watch a movie, and no chores, you know, tonight, and all this stuff. And I imagine coming in, and, like, I, I, they see the pizzas, and I, I say the thing, and they're just like, Dad, you're the best! And they're like, Dad, Dad, Dad. And I'm like, you know, and I'm dancing, and they're excited, and I'm excited, and it's, like, amazing, and then they start crying, and they're just like, you're the best dad ever, we love you so much, and, and, and like, and then they write me notes, and, and it's just a whole thing, very elaborate, and that doesn't happen, because normally I come in, and they're just like, oh, I don't like pizza from that place, I don't want to watch that movie, I'd rather just do the chores, and I'm just like... <laughs> I get so mad. I, 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 I would like to pretend I don't get as mad as I do, but I have to, like, I have to mask it where I, like, set the pizzas down. I'm like, <laughs> and I go in my room, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm so angry. And I remember one night talking to uh, my wife about it and just being like, I'm so, telling her how annoyed I was with our children because they're so ungrateful, and they don't understand, like, what I, you know, what I'm trying to do, and da-da-da. And then she's just like, yeah, I know, it is real frustrating. It's kind of like, you know, kind of like the way you, you are sometimes. Like, you know, like <laughs> stuff I do for you or like people at work. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, that is not a real thing. And also, this is not about me. This is about how much you and I are against the children, right? <laughs> this is a safe space, Okay. And I, it's like, you ever, this is the frustrating thing about, about being married with somebody, to somebody who, like, really loves you but is, like, willing to hold a mirror up to the real you. And sometimes they just get you, and you're just like, there is no, like, avoiding the truth that was just told to me right now, and I don't want to hear it or face it. And it's so frustrating. And, and here's the thing that I have realized, that it, it's so easy to get enraged by the griping around us while ignoring the ungratefulness within us. Have you, you ever noticed this about yourself? Why is that? I, I think partially in my head, I do, I'm just like, I, because I'm not ungrateful, okay? I wouldn't call what I do ungratefulness. I just believe in being honest, okay? I like to keep it real, mostly just about things that annoy me, but it's the real things that annoy me, okay? And also, that's how people learn. People learn by feeling the full weight of your frustration and disappointment, okay? And if they don't want me to be annoyed, they shouldn't be so annoying, it's really on them. I just like things the way I like them. Is that so wrong? I mean, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to make things better, okay? Mostly by pointing out everything I don't like because I have high standards. Sometimes people call them demands, but I don't listen to those people, okay? What am I supposed to applaud mediocrity, okay? If you want thanks, be better. <laughs> now, I don't say these things out loud, 
Anybody ever thought this stuff before, though? Just kind of rolling around in your head. You don't have to admit it here. People know you. You know what I think? I, I, part of the reason why I think this happens to us is because griping is, is easy, but gratefulness is hard. It just, it takes a lot more effort. It's not as natural. We naturally see the things that frustrate and upset and disappoint us, but not necessarily the stuff that we love, the stuff that we're thankful for. I mean, we could probably all right now, we could probably brainstorm a list of things and people that we just, we really, we ought to be grateful for. I mean, we're not going to do that, but um, we could. And and maybe, maybe you do the thing I do where like you think about it and you feel like really thankful and then you're just like, wow, stuff that right back down. You don't don't do anything with it. It's just kind of there, right? And you still want points for the thought though, right? That you never told them. We think like, you know, I don't need to tell them because they probably already know. They probably already know. And also, I'm busy. I got stuff going on. I think and it's weird. It would be weird. I haven't even like, and I just suddenly reach out and I text them or I tell them this thing. And, and it's going to make them feel uncomfortable. I don't want that. And I'm going to feel weird. Okay? I, I was going through this, this season where I was like, I'm going to be more grateful. And I was like, as soon as I think of something, I'm going to text the person. And that, you guys, that did backfire a little bit. Okay? Because I, I, I went out and got wings with this, with this guy, and we, we watched uh, this, this game. And, and, then, and then the next day, I was like, that was really fun. And so I texted him, um, wow, last night was great. And then as soon as I sent it, I was like, that was weird. That <laughs> could be misconstrued. And so then I felt weird about it. And then I texted him, I'm like, that makes it sound like we're lovers, but we're not. And then he didn't reply. And then I was just like, I mean, but you're awesome. And I, uh, <laughs> you ever have that thing where you're like, I need to go to their work and destroy their phone. That is the only way around this moment. And we're afraid. We're afraid. What if that happens? We've never gone to wings since. I should say that. <laughs> never been interested. Uh, and I don't know why. I can't, can't understand any reasons why he wouldn't want to hang out with me anymore. <laughs> we just think like, man, I just, I don't want to put the effort in. It's going to be weird. On the flip side, though, can you think of a time where somebody like genuinely affirmed you, was, was grateful for you, you could tell it in, in their eyes that they meant it. And wasn't there something about that moment that just filled your soul in some way? I wonder, here's what I wonder. I wonder how long you lived off of it. You ever have someone say something to you that you, you needed to hear so badly that you just, you grabbed hold of it and you just, you just tucked it in your, your heart and it was like, it fueled you over the next several days, maybe even weeks. It allowed you to keep going. I wonder how, how often you, you reflected on it, you replayed it in your mind because you needed it. On the other hand, I, you know, can you feel the weight right now of all the negativity swirling around in our culture? There's a, there's a heaviness to it. It's almost like someone got one of those, those lead blankets that they 
put on you when you're getting a root canal, right? And the, you know, and they just, they, they put it on and it just like, it's, it almost feels like, like the negativity of our culture right now. It feels like someone took one of those weight blankets and just put it on your soul. And it's just like pulling you down on the inside. Like all, all of the stuff that, that we are experiencing in our culture, it's just hanging there, the angst and the anger and the accusations, the, the, the lashing out and the lecturing, the, the posting and finger pointing. There's an energy to it. And you can physically feel it. And it's not that we should ignore, um, you know, or refuse to engage in and address things that are, that are wrong or things that we need to get involved with, not at all. But it, it starts to feel like maybe this is just the bulk of who we are. Like this is gonna be the defining characteristic of our generation, people that just gripe about everything. And if you're like me, it, maybe you, you've started to look around and become self-aware that it's not just something that maybe other people out there are doing, but that it has latched onto you as well. And that you have become a product of what you've sort of been swimming in. And it's started to become a part of who you are. And you're not really sure what to do about it. And, and today I, I want to look at this story from the life of Jesus where I, I think there are some clues about like why this happens to us and how to tunnel out of it. Because I think there's a high cost to refusing to be grateful. The story is found in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. It says this, it says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, I wanna give you some context. Leprosy isn't really something that we're, you know, we face a lot in our culture right now. But leprosy is a disease that attacks the nerves, the skin, the eyes, and the lining of the nose. And so if you were to get leprosy, your, your, your skin would swell, it would become discolored, it would begin to flake off your body, your nose would concave, uh, it might disappear or dissolve altogether, leaving you disfigured. Your nervous system would slowly deteriorate, you'd lose feeling in parts of your body, leading you to incur injuries that you are not even aware that you have because you can't feel it when it's happening to you. And then the untreated injury that you may not even be aware of is going to become exaggerated, it's gonna get infected. And so lepers would lose fingers, toes, limbs, they'd become paralyzed, they'd become crippled. They'd walk around with open sores. And again, these people lived in hot, a hot desert climate without indoor plumbing. And so your rotting flesh and your open wounds would just smell like death at all times, which means people knew where you were and when you were coming. And no one wanted to catch what you had. And so if you got it, you got banished. The, the Old Testament Levitical law actually like deemed you unclean. It required you to uh, social distance from other people. Okay, you could only be around other lepers. Okay, you could find a pod of other lepers. You could quarantine with them but that was it. And so that's what they did. They, they, they hung out in groups of people who had been through and were suffering from what they were. They took care of each other. They looked out for one another. This was their life. And it makes sense to me because these were the only people who had ever experienced the horror that they'd experienced. People that had, had suffered like them and been rejected like them and been isolated and, and suffered the heartache and the hurt and the anger that they had. 
and we all do this. And we do it because it's a high human need. I think we are all subconsciously drawn to people who have suffered in the same way we have. Have you noticed this about yourself? It feels good to know that you are not the only one. There's something about it that feels comforting, that feels calming, to, to, to bump into someone that's just like, yeah, 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 you're not alone. I've been there. I've faced that. I've suffered through that exact situation. And we all need this. We need people to sit in our pain with us, to validate where we've come from, to acknowledge the injustice we've experienced and to tell us we're not crazy. And when you're hurting and, and upset, you know, we want to be about people that, that, that share our frustrations and, and our annoyances because it, it feels better and you need it. But it doesn't make you feel better forever. Because for some of us, what happens is we get so used to the comfort of sitting with people who remind us of the depth of our pain that we, we, we just stew in it. We sit in it. We get stuck in it. And then we don't know how to crawl out. I'll tell you that, 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 that sometimes your circle is what's keeping you sick. And you let it go on because you're known, right? You're grounded, but you're not growing. Because if you're honest, you don't really want to get better. You just want to feel better. So you put people around you that are not going to push you to be any better tomorrow than you are today. And for the people in this story, getting better meant reaching outside of the comfort zone of their existing circle and actually asking for help supernatural help from some, something outside of themselves. And it says in this moment that when they do this, verse 14, that Jesus looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Th these two sentences, there's so much going on here that is so mind-blowing to me. First of all, they're like, please heal us. And he's like, go show yourself to the priest, right? And so like, if it's me, I would start running and they'd be like, Wait, you didn't actually answer the question. Is that, hold on, are you gonna heal us? When is it gonna happen? Anybody, like, you need to know the details? You know, Jesus, will you heal us? He's like, go show yourself to the priest. And there's a reason, because in this culture, like, only the priest can actually declare you clean and give you permission to come back and be a part of your village once again. And so it had to be done in this environment. But, like, Jesus doesn't say, you're healed, now go. He just says, go and show yourself, right? And I would have just been like, I would love to. What am I showing? <laughs> Nothing's happened yet. When is it going to happen? Is it on the way when we get there? Like, is it, how will I know? Is it working? I don't want to go all the way there. And then it says nothing happens. Okay? I don't know. Jesus, I don't know if you have leprosy works. If I run there, my feet are going to fall off. That's how leprosy works. Like, I need to know that this is going to actually happen for me. It's crazy to me. Like once Jesus says this though, they all, all 10 of them, they start limping in that direction to go show a healing to a priest that they have not yet received. That's faith. Because faith is essentially acting on what God says over what you see. And this is consistently what God does, right? He gives us, he says like, I'm in this, I'm gonna do something, here's your part. And you're like, that's great. 
What about the other parts? We tend to do the opposite. We tend to think like, when I feel different, right? Like when, when things look different, then I'll react different. But these, these people in this story, they react different. And as a result, their situation starts to look and feel different. And I'll tell you this, like whatever you're facing in your own life, real growth will always require you to do something good before you feel like doing it. It will require you to exercise some faith. And what we find out in this story is that the, the further the lepers walk, the more their bodies begin to be made whole. Like, I, I have a really active imagination. Some of you are like, not surprised. Um, I envision, like, these people just, like, like, literally crawling. It's likely the temple was a couple miles away. Like, crawling towards the temple. And the more they crawl, the stronger they become. And the more whole they begin to feel and the more the, more the weakness begins to, to rush out of their bodies and the, the crawl begins to be a limp and the limp begins to be a walk and the walk begins to be a jog and the jog turns into a run. And I, I just imagine them like close to the temple and looking down and noticing that they're running and that their body has been made whole. I, like I imagine in my head, like I wonder like our fingers growing back, our sores becoming healed as they're running. What an insane miracle to get to be in the midst of. And yet, because, it, it, you know, I, I think a lot of times because healings happen gradually, uh, we don't always recognize them immediately. And a lot of times, like, our, our, us being able to fully grab hold of the miracle requires us to actually get into motion first. And it's when they start moving that they start having this experience. I imagine some of them being so focused on just doing whatever it took to get there that they may not have even noticed that they have been changing in the process. Wouldn't it be crazy just to get to the temple and someone's like, whoa, and they look down and they notice for the first time that they're different. Has it ever happened to you before where you're like, God tells you to do something and you just know the next step, and you take that step, and you take the next step, and the next step, and you're fo so focused on obedience that you don't notice that there's a transformation taking place. And suddenly somebody that hasn't seen you in a long time is like, you're different. Since you've been going there, since you've been doing that, since you've been practicing this, something is changing about you. You seem healthier. You seem better. You seem more whole. And maybe you look down, and for the first time, you're like, oh, that's true. Something has changed in me. And then this is what happens in the story. It says this, verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he'd done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Jesus is super good at math. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. Just do a quick head count. One, okay, that's it. Uh, where, what is happening, right? Why and why? Why does only one come back? It doesn't say, but I would imagine it's probably like what prevents them from, from putting gratefulness on display is probably a lot of the stuff that stands in our way, right? We're, we just like, we get what we're after and we move on. I wonder, I wonder if there's things in your life you begged God for. And as soon as you got it, you were over it. 
think some of us, if we're honest, we are in the middle of situations right now that we are griping about that before we prayed that God would bring about. Like we're in the middle of the miracle and we're like, I hate this. And God was like, that is what you asked for. Like, I changed my mind just now. <laughs> right? Maybe somebody, maybe they got distracted, right? Maybe they got, maybe they got bit. sometimes I think we're not thankful because we don't think the contribution that the other person made is really that big of a deal. I did stuff too. Why do I, why do I need to acknowledge what you did? Maybe they don't see it as a gift. Maybe they just see it as like you were just doing what you're supposed to do. Sometimes, you know, somebody serves us in such a way, in such an open-hearted, servant-hearted way, that we come to assume that we deserve it, that we're entitled to it. And so we ignore it. And then when they, we don't, we don't show them gratitude when they do it. We just gripe when they don't do it. We don't notice that it's been a gift the entire time. And, and while, you know, I, I don't know the specifics of this story, because the, the text doesn't tell us. I, I think what happens here is partially due to how gratitude works. There's actually two types of gratitude, and they're interconnected. They're intertwined with one another. And the first is something that I would call personal gratitude, personal gratitude. And this is direct thankfulness to a person for something that benefited you specifically, okay? Like, for instance, maybe you're just like, listen, you know, Pedro, he helped me. You know, wax my back before beach season. <laughs> and I'm grateful, okay, to Pedro for his service, right? Or whatever your thing is. I don't know. I'm just trying to be real with you guys, all right? <laughs> and it's this personal gratitude is the reason why we, we say thank you to people, okay? Where we feel compelled to want to help somebody who helped us. Personal gratitude is why we would compliment somebody, right? We'd give voice to it where we might want to, to, to build that person up to other people, right? We see somebody else who's furry and we're like, you need to know Pedro, okay? And they're like, no, I don't. And they're like, no, no, we took a vote. You need to know Pedro, okay? It's weird. Some guy came to the beach with us, grabbed a bow. Listen, you need to like shore that situation up personal gratitude. The second category is what I would call universal gratitude, which is indirect thankfulness to God for the gift of life, beauty, ability, or capacity. An example of this would be like, if you've ever found yourself, you finally get away, you put your phone down, you shut off notifications, maybe you don't even do it on purpose, you're just not getting service, and you're on a hike, and you're, 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 you're with your family, and you have this moment where you're looking at a beautiful landscape and you're breathing clean air and you look around at the people that you're with and you realize that you don't wanna do life without these people and you realize the gift and the smallness that you sense being in this vast open area and you feel this sense of gratitude that wells up and you don't know where to aim it at, right? And you recognize it belongs to God, that all of these things are ultimately a gift from God, and universal gratitude is why we have these moments where we suddenly feel awake and alive. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where you suddenly are just like, I am glad I'm alive today. That's universal gratitude. It's why we, it's this thing that makes us want to bring others in on what we're experiencing. You got to come here. You got to see this. You got to be a part of this thing. 
It's why we want to pay it forward. It's why we want to pause and breathe and soak it in. It's why we, we have these moments where we feel strangely contented, even though not all of our problems are solved. It's what compels us to be open-handed with everything that we have because we realize we're connected to a God who has so much more than we could ever need. He's open-handed to us, and so we're open-handed to those around us. And here's what I want you to notice about both of these modes of gratitude. Gratitude always compels us to do something. You see, thankfulness can be a thought or a feeling, but gratitude is always an action. Which means this, feeling, great, feeling thankful is not the same thing as practicing gratitude. Gratitude insists on being expressed. But here is what is powerful about this idea. The more we practice universal gratitude, the more likely we are to practice personal gratitude. The two things are interconnected. One is hinged on the other. This is why I would, I would wager that this guy who comes back and is personally grateful to Jesus that day does so because he has a habit of being universally grateful to God every day. And it begins to change the way he sees and expresses himself in every single situation. And why do I think this? I think this because of things that Jesus said. Luke chapter six, verse 45, this is Jesus talking. He says this, what you say flows from what's in your heart. In, 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 Jewish, uh, in the Jewish mentality, Hebrew mentality, your heart is not the feeling center of your life. It is the thinking center of your life. It is the place in which your internal monologue takes place. And what Jesus is saying is, whatever you are rehearsing in your heart, whatever you're saying over and over again, that's what spills out of you. In fact, in Philippians, one of the New Testament writers says it this way. You've heard this before. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And what's the result of this thanks? Then, which means it's conditional, then after you've thanked God for what he's done, you will experience his peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. In other words, there's a connection between practicing thankfulness and experiencing peace. And here's what's crazy. We tend to do the opposite. When I'm experiencing a lack of peace, you know what I tend to want to do? Gripe. Complain. Demand my way. Point out what's wrong in everybody else. You know what scripture tells us to do? The moment you are experiencing the least amount of peace, summon gratefulness. And that gratefulness expressed both universally and personally will begin to transform you from the inside out and you will have a peace that settles on your life that surpasses human understanding. In other words, it makes no sense given the context. It's coming from somewhere else. You see, this is what gratitude is. Practicing gratitude is choosing to acknowledge and appreciate the good in our lives. It's recognizing that anything good is a gift, that grace is the glue that holds the universe together. It's living in response to the reality that I am blessed and I have benefited in ways that I could not earn and do not deserve. And living this way is not easy. 
It doesn't happen automatically, not consistently. It is a choice. It's a discipline. It's a practice. It's a way of being. And only one guy in the story lives this way. That's how hard it is. But it ends up being worth it. Verse 19 says this. It says, Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now that's a beautiful thing. But I think logically we need to back up. And some of you are like, wait, didn't he already heal all the people? What's happening now? All of the, the people got up and ran and experienced a physical healing. But now in this moment, Jesus is extending another kind of healing, a spiritual healing to his life. And he's saying that his faith, his faith that came to fruition through a sense of gratitude is what unlocked another level of healing, a spiritual level of healing that we would call salvation, which is more than just a moment, right? It is a way of being. Jesus is telling him your gratitude is what sets you free. It's a pathway to what the Jews call shalom, divine peace, balance, and wholeness. Isn't that what you want? Divine peace, balance, and wholeness flooding your whole existence. And this is what makes me sad about this story. What a horrible thing to dream your entire life about being healed, which all of these people would have, only to get healed and still not feel whole. Because this is what we see in this story. All 10 experienced healing. They got what they were most desperate for, but only one experienced wholeness. What a sad thing. What a sad thing for God to give you the thing you are most desperate for. The forgiveness, the reconciliation, the job, the opportunity, the connection points, the healing in your body. What a shame for you to be gifted with it and you to get the thing you, you, you pled with God to give you and you finally get it and you feel the same because there's no gratitude for what God has given to you. And I get that there is a lot of stuff in a lot of our lives that it doesn't make sense to be grateful for. If you're in a, a tough, abusive situation, you don't need to be grateful for that. You need to get out. But I think there are these moments in which there is so much that God is doing around us and we miss it. And because we're not grateful, we may walk away with the thing we begged for but we don't get the depth charge God intended for us out of it. We don't get the peace, the balance, and the wholeness that it was ultimately attached to because we refused to see it and be grateful for it. See, you can get everything that you ever wanted and still not feel like you wanna feel. On the flip side, there are countless benefits to us leaning into gratitude. You could just Google this. You're gonna see like reduces cardiac diseases, inflammation, neurodegeneration, helps fight depression, anxiety, burnout, makes you more resilient. You sleep better, feel better, love others and yourself better. It sounds like shalom to me. It sounds like a scientific explanation of shalom to me. And God wants to gift that to you, but there's a part you gotta play. And that part is gratitude. 
And there is a cost when we don't lean into it because nothing in life is neutral. Everything is taking you towards or away from who God is and who God meant you to be. There's this passage in the book of Romans. I wanna close with this. Romans chapter one, verse 21. Apostle Paul is writing. He says, this is the cost of a lack of gratefulness to God. He says, yes, these people, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And as a result, they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Maybe God isn't good. Maybe God isn't loving. Maybe God doesn't have my best interest at heart. Maybe every good and perfect gift isn't from God. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. It sounds like stress. It sounds like depression. It sounds like anxiety to me. It's the curse of ingratitude. So this is what I wanna challenge you to do. Take control of your mental, emotional, and spiritual health this week by following the example of the one who came back. And here's the thing, you can do it right now with countless things in your life by imagining this. Imagine that tomorrow you lost everything. What is it that you take for granted now that you would do anything to get back then? I think when we reframe our lives this way, suddenly a whole list begins to appear. Things that we need to be personally and universally grateful for. And I'll tell you, if you will lean into it, it will change everything about you. It won't just heal you, it'll make you whole. And that's what I wanna pray into your life today because it's difficult to do. Here's the crazy thing about God. You cannot even be grateful to God without God. And God is so graceful, he grants you that ability. I wanna pray that over your life today. Would you do this? Would you just close your eyes across this building? And would you, if you need a sense of gratitude in your life, just maybe open your posture, lift up your hands as if just to receive what God wants to do in your life, in your soul, in this moment. As I pray, God, thank you so much for the gift of life and grace that you have given us. God, there is more that we have been awarded than we even can, we can even express. There is more to be grateful for than we could ever even imagine. God, the breath in our lungs, the relationships we've experienced, this community that gives us life, your word which tells us how to live your spirit which guides us moment to moment. God, none of us in this space are starving or we don't live naked on the streets tonight. Like we have been given so much that we take for granted. And in this moment, God, I pray that you would bring to the forefront of our thoughts all of the things you have bestowed upon us. God, that we would well up with a sense of gratitude that knows that you are good, that every good thing comes from you, that we owe you everything. You owe us nothing. And God, as we express that gratitude, begin to to shift our framework, to change the way we see everything and everyone. May it become contagious. May gratitude be what this church is known for. And God, as we express gratitude to you and those around us, may your kingdom come. May your will be done right here in Sandy as it is in heaven. And God, may we have this sense that you are on the move, bringing peace 
that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.